Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis here, co-founder of Spark Rental. I am so glad to be with you. And I am joined today by Matt Faircloth, who is the founder of the DeRosa Group, which is one of the most uh, well-established and reputable uh, real estate uh, private equity syndicators out there. So Matt, welcome to the show. I just got promoted. I'm one of the most. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I was the third most a second ago, but now I, I whoever that I just took two people. And no, I'm kidding. Um, listen, that's very common words. Thank you, uh, and I, I am grateful that we're viewed as a company with integrity and a company that uh, you know that you know transparency and integrity are two of our core mantras. Um, and sometimes that means difficult conversations. Sometimes that means telling investors this wacky thing called the truth, uh, and that's what we do. So. Um, <laughs> So, but so I appreciate you acknowledging that. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, transparency is really the name of the game when you're working with people's money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you're investing in assets that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. So it's something that's really important to my partner, Denny and me. And, you know, from everything that I've learned about you and DeRosa Group, it seems that like it's a core value for you guys too. So it is. Uh, glad to have you with us today. Yeah, glad to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I love to start at the very beginning because you you didn't always own a real estate empire with, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of commercial properties. No. So, yeah, let, let's let's rewind the clock to, you know, maybe closer to where some of our listeners are <laughs> currently, right? Where, you know, you didn't have any properties, you wanted to get into real estate. So, tell us about how how you got started in real estate investing? Sure. Um, I was a traveling sales rep uh, working for a company called Ingersoll Rand and and met this lovely young Italian girl named Liz Randazzi when she was finishing up at University of Pennsylvania. Um, and she put this little purple book in my hand called Rich Dad Poor Dad. And ah, I was there you like, go. huh, this book. You know, and before you knew it, I was hooked and I was going to RIA meetings with her. Those were like our date night, right? Some folks go out for like a nice <laughs> meal. Me and my girlfriend were going to RIA meetings, right? Um, and so we started uh, doing that and playing cash flow game, the cash flow board game uh, with local friends and, you know, you know, get like a 12 pack of beer and bring the, bring a cash flow at, you know, and that's what we did in our mid twenties. That those were, that's, we were real estate dorks, right? So <laughs> uh, fast forward to me, uh, needing to, needing to move. Cause me and my, my drinking buddies living in our little house in Maniunk, just outside of Philadelphia, um, living there, like the landlord's like, Hey, you know, you don't got a home, but go home, but you can't stay here. So we're like, okay, great. Where are we going to go? Um, I wish I poor dad, like I should own real estate. This book says that. So I will own real estate. And so I went and bought a little three bedroom, two bath townhouse on low money down, you know, FHA financed mortgage. Um, and my mortgage was 940 bucks a month. And my two drinking buddy friends moved in with me, each of them paying me $500 a month, you know? And there so I, but I wasn't trying to structure it that way. That's just what they paid to the landlord at the other property. So I'm like, Hey, I'll just let you pay me 
what we paid the landlord. And so we moved it. We just moved the con, moved things over to, to me being the landlord. Um, and before you know it, uh, Brian, I was living there for free and, you know, hadn't still had a good job working for Ingersoll Rand, right? Two years paid off all my student loans, paid off all my credit card debt, um, got myself completely bad debt free. And Liz and I were hooked and off to the races from there. And so when we got married, because of course, if a woman ever puts rich dad, poor dad in your hand, propose right there, you know? So, uh, <laughs> we got married and, um, and I, uh, yet again, married up, right. She convinced me that it would be a good idea for me to quit my good paying job at Ingersoll Rand and live off of her salary. And so that's what we did. And so we lived off her salary where I built the DeRosa group, our company. DeRosa is her mother's maiden name. Um, and okay. it's just like a, like a shout back to, to family. We've named a lot of things after family in our business as we, as we built just, it's a good, like homage, let's say, right. Uh, it's yeah. gotta have a name. So why not give it a cool family one? Right. So, um, that is our origin story, if you will. And, you know, we bumped our, smacked our head up against a lot of walls, Brian, right after I quit in 2005, uh, the world fell apart with the financial crisis and we had to figure that out and scaled up and up and up and up and, you know, walk three steps forward, took a step back, three step forward, took a step back. And now we control thousands of units of multifamily in four states. Well, house hacked my my first uh, home that I lived in with a roommate. It, it, it's um, everyone's recommend. It's everyone's first investment should be a house hack. Anybody great. listening to Brian's show right now, if you're paying a landlord money for rent, you should be the landlord. Start there. Like, be your own landlord uh, and, and have other people and be other people's landlord too. I guess it's a great way to get started. But yeah, that, that's that's yeah, that, that's common. <laughs> and I too lost my shirt in the financial crisis <laughs> in 2008. But so let's let's rewind a little bit here because we glossed over quite a stretch from you know owning your first property, having a couple buddies as tenants, to being a you know <laughs> multimillionaire uh, real estate syndicator. So how did how did you buy your your next property? You know how did you scale up from that very first house hack deal that you did? You know tell tell me about your your second, your third, your fourth. Uh, property and you know how you scaled that up because that transition uh, is is tricky for a lot of new investors. Yes. So we this is Brian back in the day when they were just slinging money out at the door to get. I mean, you could walk into closing to buy real estate with nothing but a pen and a smile, like no check or nothing. I mean, maybe a heartbeat. That was it. Like <laughs> um, you could get like you remember second mortgages. You get like the, the it's it's really it's not common anymore. But you could get second mortgages on non owner occupied stuff, one hundred and three percent financing uh, on on properties. So I get it. Now you got to use the technology that's in my book on raising capital and get people that are in your network to come on board with you uh, as private lenders and do the burr strategy and uh, private equity. You know, raise equity from your local network and that. But raising private capital tells you to do that. We actually did that in a way on our first rental. Liz and I bought a duplex um, yeah, while we're dating, believe it or not, Brian. So oh, wow. uh, not that I condone buying rental properties with your girlfriend before no. you get married, but uh, but we worked it worked out, you know. Um, so we uh, bought this duplex, and I bought we borrowed thirty k from her dad. So we did raise capital, okay. you know, uh, and that. So her dad gave us like you know, which was a lot to us and a lot to him, but he believed in us and. 
we had shown him that that uh, it was all going to work out and we showed him the numbers and the, on the equations and how it was going to work out for him so that 30k was our down money and our renovation money for a duplex just uh the, you know two towns over from where i lived and we used the 30k to renovate and it wasn't much you know low to no money down days right so um held that property while we were dating then sold it right after we got married and did a 1031 exchange, Brian, to sell that duplex and sold it to trade up into two four families. We're close to oh. we moved to New Jersey when we got married. So we bought two four families right around the corner from where we live there. Um, and that was our like leg up multifamily property. And uh, you know, did a few other deals with our own cash. Uh, had my parents come in as a small passive investor with us. So we did like the friends and family game in the very beginning. Um, yeah. and that, cause they had some cash, not billions of dollars, like, you know, little, little bit of money to help us get going. And, um, and then we would trade up, we would do a flip and roll that money into another deal. And just kind of like, again, one foot in front of the other and scrapped our way up and up and up into larger and larger deals. And, and, uh, just kind of grew a little bit as we went until uh post crash we had we had uh, we were at about 30 units at the time and uh you know post crash happens liz went to penn and she was reconnecting with one of her friends from penn um saying you know hey really you know i'm i'm doing this consulting gig my husband's involved in real estate investing and this friend of hers from penn says the magic words which is real estate investing that sounds interesting i sure wish i could do that too but i just don't have the time right and that was like the magic words. And she's, and she like heard that. And she says, you should talk to my husband. And so it turns out, Brian, this guy is a stockbroker in New York city. Right. So <laughs> working 80 hours a week, you know, and making a lot of money, but having no time to make any right. type of other passive investments, very demanding job. Um, and so I go up and meet with him and he agrees like, okay, you go find a deal. And this and the world had just fallen apart. So it was very hard to get financing or very hard to do anything. There's a lot of deal, a lot of short sales where people owed like 150K, but the bank was trying to sell it for we bought two uh two um townhomes for 25k a piece with his 50k. Oh wow. And and but then I had to fix them up and there's more money that came in yep. um and and then in construction dollars and whatnot through debt. So we borrowed some money to fix them up, but his equity came in. And uh, we rented him out. And so before you know it, Brian, he starts telling his buddies, his New York City buddies and his New York City clients about me. And, you know, 50K from that deal turned into 100K from two of his clients in the next deal. And then it turned into 300K from a few of my friends and one of his friends. And before you knew it, we were forming these small little syndication companies and taking down larger and larger projects in Trenton, New Jersey. That's what's where we first got started. So fast forward that that's like the phase two story. And then phase three was we grew out of Trenton and got ourselves into larger and larger markets like Philadelphia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and eventually North Carolina. Yeah, you know, that that story of of snowballing your your real estate investments is one that you know, I've heard time and time again, and was the same case for myself. You know, you you start with some lower end properties. Uh, maybe you do a couple of flips to help keep you capitalized, and you keep some as rentals, and you do some burr deals to again keep keep yourself capitalized, keep recycling the same down payment uh, over and over again. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, and and all the while, you know, ideally scaling up to larger and larger deals with 
you know, larger and larger returns. Uh, mm -hmm. So no, that makes makes perfect sense. Yeah. So yeah. and getting more and more complex at the time, but just also being careful not to like overstep our cadence, you know, meaning like being okay buying a 10 unit, even though it'd be really a lot sexier and a lot funner to buy a hundred unit, understanding I'm not qualified for that yet. And so I'm yeah. going to buy this 10 unit or this 18 unit. And those are real numbers of real deals that we did bought a 10 unit. Then like a while later, bought an 18 unit, figured that out. School of hard knocks, figured it out, got mastered it. Okay. Let's stretch to a 49 unit. And that's skin then went from there. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that age old balance of knowing your limitations, even as you push the boundaries and try to expand those limitations. Yeah. So, well, so, you know, which ties into my next question for you actually is, you know, what, what hasn't gone according to plan? You know, what are some of those expensive mistakes that you made, you know, that other people can ideally learn from and, you know, learn those lessons the easy way, right. <laughs> whereas you had to learn them the hard way. And how long is your show? Cause I might need to, I might need to come <laughs> back again and just like Matt talks about Brian and like, where's the tissue box? I might start crying. Um, <laughs> no. You know, Brian, the, the recurring mistake that I made until I learned not to make it anymore was getting outside of my skill set, right? And okay, remember I talked about, I did the 1031 exchange into the two, four units, uh, four families in Jersey, right? Problem with there is I'm not the greatest underwriter in the world. I'm a great deal assembler and a great negotiator and a good like people person, but I'm not the best analyst. Uh, and, and you don't have to be all these things in real estate, but real estate does require that somebody does all these things, whether it's you or not. Right. So for that deal, when I underwrote it, I completely misunderestimated how much maintenance they were going to need. Um, cause they're older properties, right? So, oh, these, this plumbing is galvanized pipe, you know, uh, th th this, th this building is, is aged. And so a lot of the, a lot of the wiring is really old. So it's going to need, it's going to short out and need to be replaced and the plumbing's going to be replaced, whatever. So I totally underestimated the maintenance, Brian. And so I'm not saying that that was that and it's the underestimating maintenance was the mistake. The mistake was me doing something I should have been doing. I should have had either a friend or someone who knows that kind of real estate create a business plan and analysis for me, with me, partner up with me, whatever it was. And I assemble the capital, the business plan. Uh, I was, I'm really good. I was really good at the time at property management. So dealing with tenants, being the people person, you know, chummy with tenants, getting them to trust and like me and, and accept the terms of the landlord and everything like that. Those are things I was all good at doing. Uh, not good at negotiating with tenants where they were behind on their rent because I'm just too nice for that, Brian. And so when they told me they couldn't pay the rent that month, I would believe them. Um, and so, I've been there. Uh, so that it, it really just goes down to, and, and I could list out like a couple of dozen times where because I was doing something that I'm not wired to be doing was not is not my core genius, is not my skill set that there likely was a failure. Another one, Brian, is dealing with contractors. There are some that are wired to do it and there are some that are not wired to do it. I am not. And there's other people I know out there that I'm good friends with that can put a contractor in a headlock or have meeting out of eating out of their hand like deer, right? I'm not either one of those. So uh, anytime you get me managing a direct contractor, I likely will get you know, it, it, the deal's not going to go well if I have to deal with the contractor. You need somebody who's not nice to deal with the contractor, you know, and, and I'm too nice for that. Well, you know, that 
goes to the a point that Denny and I make all the time that real estate investing is a team sport. Right? Yes. Um, you know, you, you need it. You can't do everything by yourself. You're not good at everything by yourself. The failure uh, is trying so, to do it by yourself. Yeah. So it, it just underscores the importance of going out and finding partners who with complementary skill sets, right? Uh, complementary strengths to your weaknesses and vice versa. Shameless plug, but it is free, uh, Brian, is that we have a personality assessment at DeRosa Group. And it's, but it's, you know, again, not a plug. It's just, you know, hey, it's a free assessment we came up because we saw the world as needing it. And so people want to take our personality assessment. It's on our website at derosagroup.com forward slash superpower. And because if you watch me on video, you can see I'm a superpower, I'm a superhero guy. So take our superpower assessment uh, on our website because. I want to help people figure out what they're great at. The sooner you figure out what you're great at, the more you can drill into just that and leave everything else as like, you know, hire it out, give it up, you know, partner up one of those things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. And we will certainly link to that assessment. Uh, in the mm-hmm. show notes here. Yeah. So Matt, I want to be respectful of your time here, but I would love to hear any of your best tips, like your three most important tips for either aspiring or novice yeah. or even intermediate real estate investors, people who are looking to scale up or maybe even buy their sure. first property. What would you tell them to save them you know, countless heartaches and uh, 17 years of, uh, that they probably could collapse the 17 years of time that it took me to get, to get to the point that I'm at in business and maybe get it done in three to five, you know, how about that? There you um, go. yeah. Okay. Number one, uh, I got three and I, I just, you're not teeing me up. You didn't tell me it'd be three, but I just so happen to have three tips that I think that I've learned the most out of this, out of this business. This is talk. Perfect. Number one, stay focused right? The mistake that I made at the beginning, Brian, I was like, I, I was chasing shiny nickels. One day I was looking at land deals. The next day I was looking at fixing flips. The next day I was looking at uh, rental deals or whatever. Had I stayed focused? I mean, like how many fix and flips do you think Sam Zell did? You know, right? None. He's an apartment building guy. That's his shtick, right? Um, but so if, if you stay focused on a initiative and then scale up and build out in that initiative, you're not going to pick the wrong initiative. You're just going to become really good at it. And you're going to find the niche and the way to make money, wholesaling, flipping, buying rentals, uh, subject, subject to whatever it is. And who cares what the other people that you meet are doing? That's what they're doing. You're doing X, they're doing Y, and that's cool. So that's number one, stay focused. Number two, this business can be really rough. It can hit back really hard. And there's lots of zeros in this business. But I found that the success that I have today, I owe to my commitment that I would never quit. And believe me, Brian, it's very easy to quit sometimes. So you get oh, you to go picking your I teeth know. up off the boxing ring floor. You're like, man, that really hurt, you know? Um, and that's so all I... I mean, I've had money stolen from me, like six figures of money stolen from me multiple times, Brian. I, I've had deals that I worked on for a year fall apart. Uh, I've had partnerships bust. I've had all kinds of terrible, terrible things happen. I've had multiple fires and lawsuits and blah, 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 blah. But I was willing to just stay in the ring and work it out and just stay honest and stay, you know, integrity there and figure it out. Right. So, that's number two, you know, figure it out. It's to stay, stay in the ring and don't quit. Right. And the third thing is keep momentum because, uh, I think that life like really abhors stagnancy. And so if you just 
if you're just stopping and waiting for the market to crash or stopping and waiting for rates to drop or stopping and waiting for rents to do whatever, or for Detroit to come back around or whatever it is you're <laughs> wait, waiting for another president, whatever you're waiting for, another thing's going to happen that, that you'll be waiting for as well. I met people at RIA's back in the day, Brian, that had not, they were going to the same RIA for like two to three years and had not bought a rental property because they're waiting on something waiting on the market yeah. to change, waiting on prices to come back down, whatever. The, the the motivated find a way to make it work. Yeah, things are maybe a little overpriced right now. It doesn't mean you got to just say, screw it and buy overpriced properties. It means find a way to get in, find a way to make it work, You know, wholesales, direct to owner, whatever it is. So if you can find a way to keep momentum going all the time, then you're going to be successful. If you, if you wait for things that are out of your control to happen, you'll find yourself waiting all the time because there's always something to wait for. Um, and there's always yeah. ways to work around it if you choose to. Well, I love it. Those are great pieces of advice. And Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to our real estate investment club doing a deal with you guys. Yeah, so I love that. Cool. And I really appreciate well, what you do, uh, you know, quite a bit for, for all the, you know, the, the non-accredited out there, uh, and everything like that. I mean, it, it is my belief and I can tell it's yours too, that everyone in the world should have access to non wall street related investment opportunities. Nothing wrong with what more wrong with wall street, but it, there should, the, the world should be like 31 flavors. We should have multiple flavors of ice cream available outside of wall street and available investments to all people. So I really commend you for helping operators like myself uh, access all people that want to invest in, in real estate and deals. Well, you know, our kindred uh, ice cream aficionados and who love the many flavors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's my dream one day, Brian, and maybe, maybe we can do this together, is that my tenants that live in my apartment buildings can at some day buy equity in the apartment building they live in. What if they sent it. me $1,000 a month in rent and $100 in an equity check? And I they could it. send their kid to college with that. It, it'd be, it would change. It would change a lot of lives that way. Seed is planted. Well, Matt, thank <laughs> you again for joining us today. You, you and I are definitely on the same page on many levels yeah. here. So I really appreciate Sweet. you coming on. And uh, you know, everyone, we will see you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, the regular time. Reach out by email, support at sparkrunnel.com. We'd love to hear what you want to hear about so that we can give it Ooh. to you. So on that note, we'll catch you guys next time. Have a good one. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.